0: Please open your Bibles to Luke 17, verses 1 through 4. The passage may be found in your pew Bibles on page 876. I will be reading from the English Standard Version, which is the translation that Pastor Wes Holland will be preaching from. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. And he said to his disciples, Temptations to sin are sure to come, but woe to the one through whom they come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were cast into the sea than that he should cause one of these little ones to sin. Pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day, and turns to you seven times, saying, I repent, you must forgive him. May God bless to our understanding this reading from his holy word.
1: Let's pray. Oh, Lord, our God, I do pray that you would open the eyes of our hearts. I pray that you would speak to us by your word and your spirit. Lord, make us more like Jesus, we ask in his name. Amen. Well, this past few weeks, we've um, been looking at the Lord Jesus uh, and what he has to say to the Pharisees in regard to their love of money, their love of self, and it's easy to say, go get them, Jesus. But uh, this week, Jesus pivots in his teaching from addressing the Pharisees to addressing uh, the disciples and um Sorry, I'm just opening my Bible. Uh, Addressing uh, disciples and their ongoing temptations to sin. So, uh, our Lord Jesus, in this passage, deals with particulars. Therefore, inevitably, the applications are going to be direct, especially regarding temptations where... Christians generally struggle. So I wanted to alert you to be ready. Uh, It's clear that Jesus has turned his attention to his disciples because in verse 1 we read, and he said to his disciples, and if that were not clear enough in verse 3, he says, if your brother sins against you, Uh, he does not say if the Pharisee sins. Or if an unbeliever sins, but if your brother sins against you. So he's speaking to a group of believers. Jesus is not doing any evangelism here in this passage. He is addressing a group of believers, and he is addressing them with the assumption that they are sinners who will have ongoing Issues, ongoing struggles with sin. He assumes that his disciples will struggle with temptations. You see that in verse 1. That we might be liable even to tempt our fellow believers to sin. Again, verse 1 going into verse 2. He assumes that others will sin against us, verse 3. And that they may sin multiple times against us. Verse 4, and we must be willing to forgive them every time, which Jesus implies that it might be difficult for us to do. I've said many times before, and I will continue to say, a church must see itself as a hospital for sinners. Each of us should consider ourselves doctors and nurses in this hospital while simultaneously knowing ourselves to be the most needy of patients. Doctors, nurses, patients, all at the very same moment. This goes for every one of us, including your pastors, including your elders, your deacons, We must be extending grace and compassion and encouragement to each other while receiving grace, compassion, and encouragement. And with all hospitals, sickness and germs are spread around no matter how much disinfectant we might use. So it is a guarantee that because we are all sinners... We're going to be sinning against each other. Don't be surprised. James says, brothers, this should not be. But it does happen. Somebody is going to sin against you. It's inevitable. (laughs) It might even be your pastor that sins against you. And if that happens, I would refer you to verse 3. Where Jesus says, "Pay attention to yourselves, if your brother sins against him, or if your brother sins, rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. And I hope that I will have enough grace from God to repent." See what I mean? Jesus' passage here, verses one through four, is very direct. And the key passage here is found at the beginning of verse 3. He says, pay attention to yourselves. And there's an exclamation point. You are a sinner who faces persistent temptation to sin, verse 1. Jesus says it's inevitable. Therefore, pay attention to yourself. You're a sinner who might be liable to tempt Uh, one of God's children to sin. Therefore, pay attention to yourself. You are going to be sinned against here in this congregation. And you may be well tempted to return sin for sin. Therefore, pay attention to yourself. You may be sinned against multiple times uh, by your brother or sister in Christ. Therefore, pay attention to yourself. You may unintentionally be offending your brother or sister in Christ. You may be the offender who sins against others multiple times. Therefore, pay attention to yourself. Jesus, here in our passage, is telling us as his disciples to take heed, to be wise, to be watchful how you treat each other in the church. You are responsible to help others in the church in their walk with Christ. I heard yesterday a great testimony of how the choir helped a fellow choir member as she was going through a difficult trial. And I just think, that's beautiful. And that's what the church should be doing. Looking outside our own interest. Taking heed to ourselves to make sure that we don't become so wrapped up with ourselves that we are able to look out for the interest and needs of our brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. The first point that I want to make this morning is that you must pay careful attention to yourself because temptations are inevitable. I already made this point when I said that our congregation is a hospital for sinners, but I need to be a bit more specific. Jesus says, verse 1, he said to his disciples, temptations to sin are sure to come. As Christians, we belong to Jesus. Jesus. He is the true vine. We are His branches. We have been forgiven of all of our sins. We have been reconciled to God. We have been adopted as His dearly loved children. We've been born again so that we have a new nature that loves God. We even have God the Holy Spirit who occupies our soul. But we remain sinners. Our condition as sinners makes us liable to still be tempted by all kinds of twisted desires that live inside us. And we will stumble and fall more often than we would like to admit. If we ever lose sight of the fact that we are wretched sinners, if we ever lose sight of the fact that we are liable to every temptation, We will shut ourselves off from the grace of God. And we will become an ugly, self-righteous stench in God's nostrils. Believers in Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters in Christ, we are all sinners. Never lose sight of that fact. We are dearly loved. We are forgiven. We're reconciled. But we remain sinners until the day that we die. We were wretched and unregenerated sinners when God sent his son to die for us on the cross. And now in Christ, we are wretched and regenerated sinners who have been forgiven, reconciled, and adopted and god loves us so much that he sent his son to die for us and he sent the holy spirit to make our soul his home that is love he makes his our soul his home even though we remain wretched sinners that dishonor him in so many ways as christians you have what you need to overcome temptation God loves you. He's at work in you. You are surrounded by fellow believers who who love you enough to encourage you or if needs be to rebuke you. God has given you the means of grace to ask the means of grace to pray and ask him for help. So even though you're liable to temptation, even though you remain sinners, don't Give in to temptation. You don't have to do that. At the same time, never overlook the power of temptation. Pay attention to yourself, Jesus is saying, and remember how easily you can be tempted. The second point is that you must pay attention to yourself because you may tempt others. What are some ways that we might lead others astray? Well, our actions, our attitudes may set us a bad spiritual example. Oh, well, so-and-so is doing this. must be okay for me to do it. Or if we have a complaining spirit, we might discourage others from participating in the church. Or... Uh, If we have an argumentative spirit, we might provoke others to anger. And we could go on and on and on, different ways that we might be liable to tempt someone, one of our own brothers and sisters in Christ, to sin against God. Notice what he says here at the end of verse 2. It would be... It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were cast into the sea than he should cause one of these little ones to sin. Who are the little ones? I think the little ones are all of us. From Bill Sherman to uh, a Truett Judah Pittman. From the oldest to the youngest. Jesus speaks so tenderly of all his people. He might especially have in mind those new Christians who are uh, so tender in their faith. Remember uh, several months back now, um, at the beginning of verse 15, I think it was, or maybe it was 14. um, In verse 15, yeah, the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear Jesus These poor people who had been so bound in sin, the Pharisees are speaking against them. And Jesus says, don't you do anything to hinder them or harm them in their young faith. It'd be better for a millstone to be tied around your neck. It makes me tremble. There are so many vocal skeptics in our society who are actively trying to discourage Christians from following Christ. I remember there was a professor at Georgia Southern College. Now it's Georgia Southern University. Uh, But he delighted himself in trying to destroy the faith uh, in God of his students. Uh, One of those students I got to lead to Christ Uh, There are those whose job and lifestyle it is to seduce people into acting immorally. And then there are those church hypocrites who tempt people to cynicism. And they'll have to answer to God one day because of the spiritual harm that they did to one of his little ones. So pay attention to yourselves. Make sure that you are not harming the faith of one of his little ones. The third point is that you must pay attention to yourself because you, will all, you must always be ready to forgive. Let me dispel some possible misunderstanding about verse 3. Uh, we are not going to be going up to each other, looking for sins in each other's lives to rebuke you know, looking for this little sin, looking for this little area of unfaithfulness. What Jesus is talking about here is someone who is going astray mightily, who uh, has a practice that they have begun in their life that is taking them away from the Lord Jesus Christ. Or... um, Someone who has sinned against you. Look at verse 4. It says, if he sins against you. I think that's what Jesus primarily has in mind here. The rebuke is occasioned by someone offending someone else. Offenses that are minor, they should be overlooked. Proverbs chapter 19 verse 11 says, Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense when you can overlook an offense god tells you to overlook an offense but some offenses simply cannot be overlooked and during those messy moments of working through some offense it is rarely a quick process jesus tells us two short verses doesn't mean it will take two short minutes someone offends you It might mean that you need to go and you need to pray. And you might need some time to cool off. But then you go to that person after praying and thinking through, God, how can I help them rather than harm them? How can I gently restore them rather than getting my revenge? And it might be that you go to them, and they are not ready to receive it. And you might go again, and they may not be ready to receive it. You go again, and then they are ready to receive it. Jesus mentions this little process in two short verses. But from the moment the offense takes place to the moment that the reconciliation takes place, there's usually... lengthy messy middle but Jesus is saying cross that middle ground cross that no man's land of going and making sure that you are you're reconciled to your brother or sister in Christ Jesus is saying it may take a well I'm saying and scripture uh, in bias examples says that it may take a while but the gist of what Jesus is saying here is that the one who has been offended has a responsibility to be eager to forgive. If you have been offended, if someone has sinned against you, you should be leaning in to, to, to their forgiveness. You should be eager to forgive them. Jesus forgave his enemies who nailed him to the cross even before they asked. Stephen, as he was being stoned, they were rushing at him in rage. And he cried out to God, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Jesus, so eager to forgive. Stephen, so eager to forgive. He did not wait. Neither of them waited for them to ask for forgiveness. Jesus wants, to, wants us to have such a forgiving heart towards someone who has done us wrong that even before they have an opportunity or even before the opportunity to, to offer formal forgiveness, that they already have our forgiveness. It, got, it brings God immense joy to restore uh, fellowship between his people. We are acting as his children when we are eager to forgive those who have wronged us. I'm reminded of Jeremiah 31, verse 20. Ephraim was one of the largest of the tribes, and they were very wicked. And so in in Jeremiah 31, verse 20, God says, Ephraim, my son... Or Ephraim, my dear son, is he my darling child? For as often as I speak against him, I do remember him still. Therefore, my heart yearns for him. I will surely have mercy on him, declares the Lord. Ephraim, in all their idolatry, in all their hatred and rebellion against God, he's eager to show them mercy. When someone offends you, what do you do? Do you blow up and blow out? Jesus says you are sinning if you do. You must be eager to forgive them. In fact, at the, begin, at the end of verse 4, he says, "If well, I'll just read verse 4. Well, I don't think I read three and four. I'll read it again. Pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day, Jesus is the king of hyperbole. He's not, le- He's not letting you get around it. So if he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must Forgive him, Jesus says. That is a command he is giving. Now, we are called to rebuke one another. <laughs> it takes a lot of grace to do that well. Frankly, oftentimes we're too spineless to rebuke. And if we've been sinned against, we're too resentful to forgive What usually happens is if we've been sinned against, we go to someone, do you know what so-and-so did to me? What do you think I should do? And we go to a whole circle of friends getting advice before we actually go to that person and have the difficult conversation with them. And that is not pleasing to God. You should be so willing and eager to forgive that you go, you don't let grass grow underneath the um, the your feet while you're waiting for the um, to go see that person. You die to yourself. You put the other person in front of you, and they're good before your own, and you go to them. You go to them gently. Galatians chapter 6. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, Paul says, just like Jesus. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. And when you forgive them... It can't be halfway. It must be entire. It must be complete. It must not remember the wrong. Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. Bear with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. How has the Lord forgiven you? He has forgiven you of every sin. He has forgiven you completely. He doesn't forgive and then, and then snatch it back. He gives you forgiveness. And he says he casts your sin as far as the east is from the west. He remembers it no more. So when you go to someone to forgive them, it must be complete and entire. And so... This is our Lord's instructions to his disciples. It's kind of tough, kind of direct, hits us where we live because we've been sinned against. Look to your Lord Jesus. Remember that you are a sinner. Remember that you have sinned against him. Remember his forgiveness of you. Die to yourself. Go to your brother or sister in Christ. This is the way the body of Christ should treat each other. Pay attention to yourselves. Let's pray together. Oh, Lord Jesus, we do ask that you would help us to pay attention to ourselves, that we might not sin against you, that we might not sin against our brother or our sister, That we might be a help to those who might be struggling. Even to those who lash out against us because they are struggling. Oh Lord, I pray for your grace here on our uh, church family. I pray that you would make us a people of grace. So that we as a congregation might be a hospital for sinners. Where they might find your grace in Jesus Christ. Amen. Please take your.